When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. What's up, everybody? Mac here, back again with the Odd Shopper channel. Today, we're talking some college basketball bets. It's a short Monday night slate, February the 12th. Before we get started, make sure to hit that thumbs up button, subscribe to the channel, and hit the notification bell so you know when this and all other content goes live. We're also brought to you by BetMGM. Limited time offer for you guys. This will be ending soon, so make sure you take advantage of it. What BetMGM is doing is offering bonus bets up to $158. You get that by clicking the link in the video description below, making your first deposit of at least $5, then place a $5 wager in any team, total, market, whatever it is you prefer. Then you'll get that $158 in the form of bonus bets. It's available to everyone in legal states except New York, Puerto Rico, and Nevada. You must be 21 or older to play in most areas. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem, please call or text 1-800-GAMBLER. But take advantage of these promos while they last. They're not going to be around forever. Recapping the weekend, it was an exciting weekend of hoops. A little up and down. Finished with the slightest of positive EV, I guess. And could have been even better had last, yesterday's Sunday games. Man, these were some absolutely atrocious games. I was on Seton Hall and Wichita State. So taking two L's, it brought down the overall winnings just a little bit on the day. And some of those games, man, just egregious. Wichita State has to cover seven and a half points. They bring it to overtime and lose by double digits. I mean, this will happen sometimes, but it's kind of one of those where you just you throw your hands up in the air and you just got to ride with it. Seton Hall, Kadari gets two fouls immediately in the game, kind of just the crux of the handicap there. Seton Hall catching seven and a half against a lackluster Nova team. They end up dropping the game. That'll happen when your best players – not on the floor because of fouls, but otherwise, a lot of the weekend really fun. UW Green Green Bay just got to give them a little shout out. This team is a covering machine. They didn't even have their leading score. He was a late scratch to the game. And honestly, I don't think I would have taken the Green Bay side had I known that coming in, but didn't have the opportunity to hedge out of it. And this team not only covers double-digit spread, but wins outright. Marquette was able to get it done late. They outlast St. John's, get the cover. Houston, Ohio State, pretty good wins there. Alabama ended up running away with an LSU game that was pretty close through most of it. Baylor ends up covering in the ugliest game I've ever seen. A little bit of an exaggeration there, but we'll talk that more at length later. And then as far as the losses, we'll talk West Virginia again today. They got clobbered at full strength. So that's telling, something we could definitely use moving forward. Butler could not surpass Providence without Josh Oduro as far as the cover goes. Illinois played an awesome game. Terrence Shannon, awesome game himself, but they faded late, end up losing to Sparty, no cover. My favorite bet, Auburn. Man, got to take my L here. This was this was a pretty brutal one. And then mention those Wichita State Seton Hall games. But that's kind of where we stand. Slightly, slightly positive weekend, and we move forward to an epic week. This week, kicking things off, three games tonight in the Premier Conferences, couple greasy spots, a lot of swack games, but we'll start 
with the premier contest. Wake Forest taking on Duke is where we begin. And this game, I've been victim of betting Wake Forest a couple times on the road and losing. Mainly the UNC spot, love their shooting, but the defense of North Carolina really caused some problems in that game. So that leaves me nervous. I'm looking at Wake Forest again, plus the seven against Duke. The positives for Wake Forest, this team is amazing shooting the ball. Amazing. 25th in effective field goal percentage. That, that's actually better than Duke at 29. This team, 57th on the inside and two-point percentage. They're really tall. Ninth in the country in effective height. And Duke's 10th. So you need that when you're matching up against Filipkowski on the inside with Duke and Mitchell. And this team has absolute flamethrowers from three. We've talked about them many times, basically every time we talk about a Wake Forest team. 17th and three-point percentage, that's better than Duke at 28. And just for some of the defensive matchup stuff, Duke is 45th in defensive efficiency. They're one spot better than Wake Forest. But you dive into some of the interior metrics, they're 130th on the inside. They basically rely on Mitchell and Filipkowski. From the perimeter, they're 115th. So you actually have edges, Wake Forest direction, slight edges in both of those categories. So when you see a defense in Duke, 113th against the three, and you have Wake Forest, who just is, they're full of snipers. We can go player by player, but this team is loaded with their guard players that shoot the three. And getting back Monsanto only helps that. This is a guy that was shooting just under 48% from three last year, and he had over 200 attempts. He's currently at 43%, and he's only playing limited minutes. But it's not just him. Salas is at 40%, Hildris at 38%, Cars at 40%, even bench player Parker Fredrickson. He gets about 17 minutes a game. He's a 41%. Loaded, loaded with shooters. The hesitation I have is Duke still has amazing metrics. 11th in offense, 45th on defense. Again, they're 10th in height, so they rebound well. That matches up fantastically against Wake Forest. And I don't know if we've seen the full Duke roster yet. They've dealt with a lot of injuries. Roach has been banged up at times. Proctor, Filipkowski sometimes deals with fouls. And Mitchell also missed a few games. So what do we have with Duke? We They also have the amazing freshmen who've worked their way into better roles. And we see throughout the year teams that rely on freshmen. Sometimes they sort of level up throughout the year as the continuity builds for these teams. So that leaves me hesitant. I still think Wake Forest is the side you want to look at if you're taking a position on this game. And Wake Forest has kind of, you know, squashed some of the can't play on the road allegations with their Georgia Tech win. But Going to Duke, certainly not an easy place to play. We're tentatively going to side with Wake Forest in this game on the road and hope the three-point shooting gets them there. Next two games, I don't have positions on yet, but I still want to talk about them. We're going to go to the Big 12. West Virginia takes on TCU. You guys know I was on West Virginia this weekend against Texas. The crux of that handicap was you get West Virginia for the first time all year playing with a full roster, like literally the first time all year. They had Jesse Edwards to begin, and then they dealt with, you know, some of the two-time transfer stuff. So the first game, Raekwon Battle is eligible. Jesse Edwards has the wrist injury the game before. So you literally have not had a full West Virginia roster until last game. So what happened? They go to Texas, or they, they play Texas, and they get blown out 94 to 58. Blown out. And... Players like Jesse Edwards get 23 minutes. Like Jesse Edwards wasn't in foul trouble, actually was efficient, seven of nine from the floor, and he plays 23 minutes. I mean, they got 
down so quickly in this game, it didn't really matter. But I mean, this is kind of a concern. I don't know what the West Virginia rotation is going to be. Like Quinn Salzinski playing more minutes than Edwards is basically indefensible. Kobe Johnson at 24 minutes, also indefensible in my opinion. I like this roster on paper. Raekwon Battle, the transfer, Kirk Kreese at the point. He doesn't need to do as much with everyone healthy. And Edwards on the inside, even players like a Cook, a Cook came back in their last game. He'd also been injured. He's not going to give you meaningful minutes, but when you need Edwards off the floor or Salzinski off the floor, like you can get 10, 12 minutes from a Cook, a Cook. Concerning to me that they didn't put it together. And now you face a TCU team that is very good. Certainly has edges in basically every efficiency metric. Offense, defense, not even close. Rebounding, I think this could be a little bit over-exaggerated. West Virginia's 59th in effective height, TCU 86th. A lot of those injuries, absences for West Virginia did occur in the front court. So when you dive into it, you see West Virginia 312, two-point percentage. I don't think it's going to be that bad, assuming like Edwards can get more minutes and these players can stay on the floor. And that's a matchup West Virginia could exploit theoretically TCU 184th on the inside on the defensive end. But I mean, it's still a leap of faith with West, with West Virginia at this point. And TCU, as far as their offense, just major advantages in effective scoring. They're 47th. West Virginia's 284th on defense. West Virginia definitely doesn't scare you. A little stronger inside. They're 163rd there. 195th from the perimeter. And TCU shoots the ball well. 76th in three-point rate or excuse me, three-point percentage. I mean, this team can shoot, so they're definitely going to have advantage, I think, with their guard play. TCU generates a ton of turnovers, a ton of them. They're top 30 in the country there. West Virginia's 190th in turnovers committed. Creesa missed a lot of games, and he's a true point guard, so getting him back, I think, helps this metric. But there's still a lot of edges TCU's direction. So right now, I'm looking at a West Virginia side, but honestly, I'm going to need a few more points before I actually take another position on the Mountaineers after getting absolutely slaughtered by them this weekend. But if you want to bet all of the premier games, the lean is the Mountaineers. We'll stick in the Big 12. Kansas takes on Texas Tech. This is an injury game. No position yet. And I think the status of Dewan Harris is going to determine a lot for me. So to lay out the Kansas injury stuff, you had Kevin McCullough miss the weekend's game against Baylor. And then Dewan Harris sprained his ankle really late in the game. The comments coming out of Kansas on McCullough don't sound positive. Paraphrasing here, but basically coach said Kevin McCullough, not mobile, not can barely walk coming into Saturday. How do you think he looks on Monday, two days later? I think it's a long shot McCullough plays. Dewan, so he sprains the ankle. He comes out briefly that, Nick Timberlake just gets absolutely clobbered. They have to put Dewan back in, and Dewan just the guy is an animal playing through injury. He's basically on one leg, hits a huge shot. They get the win over Baylor in a really ugly game. But man, without adrenaline now, two days later, Dewan Harris is up in the air for sure. Though this roster already doesn't have depth, not even close. If Dewan Harris misses, you basically are looking at a healthy lineup consisting of Dickinson, Adams, and Furphy. From there, you rely on El Marco Jackson and Nick Timberlake. Both have been atrocious this year and effectively just benched entirely. And you're facing Texas Tech, who was awesome guard play. I think the weakness for this Tech team is inside. Yeah, Dickinson's going to exploit that, but Dickinson doesn't bring the ball up. Someone has to give the ball to Dickinson. And he's also a foul risk. 
It's not like Texas Tech is weak on the inside. Warren Washington's a seven-foot center, a veteran. I believe the guy's in his seventh year of college basketball. That's an exaggeration, but he's certainly taking the COVID years and using them to his benefit. So this is tough. I mean, you, you look at the underlying metrics. Texas Tech does play with size on the inside. That matches up against Dickinson. The ball handling stuff, I think, is a major concern. Kansas was already 125th in turnovers committed. Texas Tech with Pop Isaacs and Joe Toussaint. They've got excellent guard defense. This team defends the three fairly well. I mean, it, this is this is a very tough handicap. To me, I think the side is Texas Tech, and I'm just going to wait on this. Like We'll know if DeJuan Harris is warming up. Once you know that, I think you can take a position on Texas Tech. It's met resistance, so... The line goes all the way up to two, two and a half in some spots. And that's where you've seen the Kansas buyback. I think the line should be wider if Dewan Harris is out. But Dewan Harris is one of the toughest point guards in the country, evidenced by him playing through that ankle. If he's out there, it's going to be just no interest in the game. He'll he'll be at risk of re-aggravation. It'll be a stay away spot if Dewan's in. If he's out, looking at a Texas Tech spot. Last one, we'll talk a greasy game in the SWAC Prairie View AM takes on Florida AM. Battle of the bottom of the SWAC. Both teams below 500. Florida AM at 4 and 17. So you could kind of lay it out with you guys on these two teams. You have Prairie View AM playing the 242nd most difficult schedule. They can't score their 348th in effective field goal percentage. Florida AM's played a tougher schedule. They're 160th and they're better at scoring 268th, but they're a liability on defense. The edge there certainly belongs to Prairie View AM. Neither team plays with any heights. Prairie View 362, AM 283. No real advantages on the offensive side of the ball for either team. The best one is Florida AM is 72nd in three point percentage. Sadly, that's working right into the strength of Prairie, View's A&M, or Prairie View AM's defense. The only place they're inside the top 220 on defense is three point percentage allowed, where they're 212. So you've got strength on strength, weakness on weakness, if you want to call it that, in the bottom of this conference. And then I think pacing could be a little bit of an issue. Prairie View a plays extremely fast, which is kind of concerning for them as a team, considering their lack of scoring ability. But Florida a is not fast. They're 155th. It's around league average and pace slightly ahead of it. And with a lot of these offensive efficiency problems, I think you just run into overall problems of this score getting up to 149. And you can look at some of the recent games for these teams. Especially on the Florida AM side, this team has really struggled to score at times. They just played an overtime game. So I guess we'll exclude that a little bit. It probably they probably fall below 70 points if they don't reach overtime against Texas Southern. But prior to that, held below 63 points in two straight games, below 60 in one of those. Then they had a 80-86 game against Jackson State. Prior to that, they were below 70 points again against Alcorn. So these are some of the offensive inefficiencies you see from Florida AM. And it's kind of the same thing with Prairie View. They played a, a pretty quick Bethune-Cookman team, decent score there. But they've been held below 75 points routinely in their most consistent and recent games. So to me, this is an under. I think there's slight value here at the 149. And I guess if you want to take a side in a game like this, you can go to evanmia.com and Take a look at some of the player stuff. Of course, shop this line. It's going to be exceedingly important in games that are projected close. And we have tools at Odd Shopper that'll help you do this. You can sort by state, find the best lines available. We also have tons of tools where you can 
use our market-based approach to find the best betting spots across sports, not just college basketball, NBA, whatever it is you're into. And it's all consolidated now, so our Discord's included in that with analysis from our experts. $14.95 for a week, $49.95 for a month. The link is below. I highly recommend it and use it every day. But as far as the spread goes, it's hovering between a pick and minus one in some spots. Looking at just the player personnel, Prairie View A&M has four players in the top 40. Florida A&M has one. That's Jalen Spear. And Prairie View A&M kind of has a trump card in Andre Nunley. He's the third player in this SWAC conference. Charles Smith, 24. Chris Felix, 31. Brian Miles, 33. And even C.J. Lane, we kind of just broke this off at 40. C.J. Lane's 42. And they also haven't been healthy. You know, like they've missed games. Charles Smith, Javante Hopkins, Orlando Horton, Chris Felix have all missed games. They're all back now. So as far as a betting spot on the total, or excuse me, on the side, I think Prairie View A&M has just a little bit left on the bone with some of the players they've missed. A little bit room for growth in some of the efficiency metrics. But that'll do it for us today. Big slate coming up tomorrow for Super Tuesday. Leave a comment. Let me know what you think. Suggestions, always willing to hear them. If you have a question, reach out to me on Twitter, at Matt underscore Kajeski. DMs are open and happy to answer them. Thank you guys for watching. We will see you again next time.